Hello, listeners. Welcome back to 444 Westminster, a podcast about planning and development in the city of Providence that aims to give you, our listener, a better understanding of topics related to planning a city. Whether you're listening from Providence or elsewhere, we are glad you're here. Um, speaking of elsewhere, I, uh, I I logged in recently to check stats on the pod and um, and discovered that, as expected, the majority of our listeners live in New England, specifically Providence, um, but also that we've had listens from across the U.S. and then uh, Europe and Asia, which is something that I did not expect. So with that in mind, I want to say hello to our listeners from overseas. Uh, welcome. We hope you're entertained and getting some value out of these podcasts. Um, as I mentioned before, our discussions are based around city planning and Providence, but most of this content is transferable to other cities. And if not, hopefully still informative and intriguing enough to provide value to you. My name is Tim Rondo, and I am the Director of Communications and External Affairs, and arguing that despite how problematic the 1990s were at times, they were still a great moment for women in music. Um, Tracy Chapman, Jewel, Alanis, I could go on, and I will, TLC, Tony Braxton, Lauren Hill, uh, Indigo Girls. Um, okay, I'm done for now. Um, if you're a first-time listener, welcome. You're not too far behind, so plenty of time to catch up on our previous two episodes on public art and comp plans. If you're a repeat listener, welcome back. You made it to episode three. You are in it, you are committed, and we are proud of you. Um, as I mentioned, this is our third episode, and I am joined by yet another subject matter expert and a relative newcomer to the city of Providence, and she's already making a huge impact. She's the curbside administrator for the city, managing all on-street parking and curb uses, and also the city's e-bike and e-scooter share program. Her team is currently developing a curb inventory and undertaking a curbside management planning process. Uh, before she started working for the city, she worked in St. Louis, Missouri on transit-oriented development and bike share. Uh, she earned her master's in city planning from MIT, where she wrote her thesis on how parking and curb policies can impact car use and ownership. She hopes to improve curbside management policies and processes so that Providence's streets are safe and effective for all users and so that alternative modes are supported and attractive. A big 444, welcome to Liza Farr. Hey, Liza, how are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for coming on. Um, before we get into the subject at hand, I would love to ask you some rapid fire questions so that our listeners and um, myself, frankly, um, can get to know you a bit better. Uh, we have done this in the previous two episodes. Yeah, hit just... me with them. All right, here we go. Um, favorite spot to visit in Providence? Mm, probably the pedestrian bridge. It's just got such a good view. Yeah, the pedestrian bridge is great. It was mentioned last week um, as, as a favorite spot. So we did something right there. Um, I, I agree. I love being there. Um, which actor or actress would you want to play you in the movie about your life? Oh, God, that's tough. <laughs> I'm really bad at both remembering who people are and remembering names of actors. Um, oh, shoot. But no, I think I would do, I would do Zoe Deschanel probably. I'm, I am a very bubbly person and, um, I feel like her and new girl is like very much in line with who I am. I love that. That's perfect. Um, and I see it, I see it, I see it for you. Um, for sure. Guilty pleasure artist band or song. TikTok by Kesha. 
I love that for us. <laughs> <laughs> I know I love, every word. I know that, every single word. <laughs> same here. Same here. Um, that was a very distinct moment in music, I feel. Um, yeah. Yeah. I love that song. Um, and I love Kesha. She's just she's doing, great. She, she just she's keeps doing getting all better. sorts of stuff. Yeah. yeah. She keeps getting better. She keeps doing her thing. And, and we, we, we love her. What is something that you learned about yourself during the pandemic? I don't like doing very many things alone. But when I find the ones that I do like doing alone, it can be like really awesome. And I didn't know that. I I didn't know I like doing anything alone at all. Um, so now I I like biking alone and I like burning alone. And I think it was a good discovery. That's awesome. That's um that's one I haven't heard yet. I yeah. I, I love doing things by myself too. I I um I've always been one to like just go to the movies alone if there's something I want to see that maybe someone else doesn't because I've I, I feel like I have distinct movie taste um, and it's never bothered me. So I think, I think that's, that's great. Getting to getting more comfortable with just being with yourself and doing the things you want to do and finding peace in that. I love that answer. Yeah. Um, that is the end of my questions for you. So um, you made it, you survived, you did great. Um, it's going to bode well for the, <laughs> for the rest of this. Um, so now that we have those important questions answered uh, let's move on to the topic of today's pod. Um, which I, is one that I know a little bit about, but not too much. So I'm extra excited for our chat today. Um, and that topic is, of course, um, what I alluded to in your bio, which is curbside management. Um, when I started looking into the topic uh, to prepare for today's episode, I was I was really quite stunned at like how many topics and services fall under curbside management umbrella, um, mm-hmm. which you described as kind of like a a relatively new topic that can mean a bunch of different things. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm feeling like we can start there. Uh, what is curbside management in theory and what are the subtopics, if you will, um, involved in managing our curbs? Yeah, it is a pretty big umbrella, which is kind of amazing since it's such a new field. Um, but I would define it in general as the practice of proactively examining the regulations and also the uses of our city's curbs um, in order to make decisions about how we would like them to be used moving forward. And I think that comes from um, the fact that the default use of the curb for so many years has been free long-term car storage. That has been what it is. And if you want to change it, it's, you know, it's changing from that baseline to something else. Um, And this field emerged within the last 10 years or so in order to respond, in part at least, to the growing demand for the curb by very different uses than a private vehicle. Um, I think the biggest, flashiest example was Uber and Lyft. Um, We had never really had that issue in most of our cities besides, you know, New York with the taxis. And so that um, prompted us to think, maybe we shouldn't just have this be the default use. Maybe we need to actually take a step back and think more holistically about what we actually need at our curb in order to make our city and transportation system function, not just for private car users, but for all users on the, on the road. Um, so yeah, that's kind of how I think it actually started out. Can you kind of break down how better management of our curbs, like would help your average city resident? Yeah, absolutely. I think it, it is this invisible force that affects everybody all the time. And uh, it's very hard to actually see it. And when it works, you don't think about it. I mean, I think that's true of a lot of planning topics, actually. It's fair. That's um, fair. But it's, I think it's, I think it's hugely uh, impactful. So 
I think the best way to break down how it actually helps someone is to take a more specific example. Um, so we already do some management of our curb and we have for many years, and that is um, putting time limits on our parking and, and charging for our parking. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it helps to imagine what if we didn't do that? What if all parking downtown was free and didn't have any time limits, right? So we don't have any management of our curb. If you work downtown in that case, um, all the parking garages down there cost like $200 a month. Like you're yeah. not going to shell that out. You're going to park on the street. You're going to park all day on the street. And you might think that would be great because then you're not paying for parking, but actually every other employee in the whole of downtown is now doing the exact same thing. And all of a sudden everyone's starting to get to work at 5 a.m. in order to find a parking spot. And then they're parking all day. And so all of the downtown businesses have closed because they don't have their lunch crowd anymore because they can't get someone to you know, park you know, a mile away in order to walk over and have an hour long lunch. So you know, it, it's, it's about the functionality of people working in Providence, living in Providence, and then also the vitality of business district really directly depends upon the management of those curbs being really effective. And then I also think a lot because I don't own a car actually yeah. <laughs> as a curbside administrator. Um, and so I bike everywhere. So I also think about how curb management impacts the city residents that uh, don't own a car. And I bike every day down Broadway in order to get into downtown And I often will see delivery trucks or Uber Lyft or just uh, regular people picking up and dropping off, stopping in the bike lane, right? So that's another example how if we had, if we had a dedicated space for those deliveries or pickups to happen, then I wouldn't have to be swerving into the car lane and endangering myself in order to get to work every day. Um, So I think it, it happens all the time in these tiny little moments um, that I think have a really big impact on our city residents and, um, probably it's not noticed until it's, um, not done well. (laughs) Yeah. I, 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 first of all, I think that that's an incredibly effective anecdote that you provided with, with parking. I had literally never thought of that. And, and to your point, I think, um, you know, as we try and move away from just strictly personal car usage and, and think about different ways that we'd love for folks to get around the city that are better for the environment, better for um, personal health, better for a number of reasons, um, we should be finding different ways. And, 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 and curb usage is, is one of those things that, you know, if we can, if we can better figure out how to um, make them work for everyone, we can solve a lot of problems simultaneously. So um, you also manage e-bikes and e-scooters. Um, that was my really natural, um, segue <laughs> into, I love into it. e-bikes and e-scooters. Um, I, we did a big launch with spin last year. That was my, one of my first huge topics with, um, or rather, um, first projects with the city. Can you talk a little bit about what, what it, um, takes to maintain like an e-bike e-scooter, um, program and, and why, why that is a, that specifically is important to, to manage? Yeah, absolutely. Um, So the program that we have in place in Providence is based on a regulation that we have signed um, that actually outlines a number of different parameters that govern any type of e-scooter, e-bike share company that would operate on our um, streets because they do sit on our actual public sidewalks in order to operate. So they do need that permit in order to actually be allowed to do that. Um, and we govern things like, uh, how many vehicles they can have out on the street, um, how they require their users to actually use those vehicles, including things like speed limits, where they can park and how they can park, um, and other things like that. So we sort of set those regulations in place and sign agreements with the companies, um, that, uh, apply to come to our city and, and meet our, 
thresholds and uh, actually win the uh, permit themselves. And then we continue to work with those uh, companies. We meet with them every two week, two to four weeks and have discussions about how are we doing uh, with our requirements that we have in this permit and also things like snow removal and when we need to take devices off the street. So there's sort of this very active management that happens really consistently every single month. Um, And then on top of that, we actually charge them fees as well because they're making money off of, you know, operating in our right of way. And so we work on collecting those fees and and, um, coming up with a fee structure that makes sense for them and also incentivizes for us the type of uh, rides and behavior that we actually want from those companies. Um, so it's a much more involved process than, than people might think, considering it is not a city operated system, um, but it For does sure. require just like a lot of oversight from city staff to make sure we're actually getting out of it what we really want to get out of it. It's not only wonderful for our residents, right, to be able to have that um, option to to not just solely rely on their car and to take a take a bike, take a scooter if if the mood strikes or if if that is um, you know what is within the budget. But also, it is super attractive to tourists. Like you know, tourism is something that you know we rely on as as an industry, right? If, if folks know that they can get around easily without having to rent a car, then that's 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 a big win. Um, I know curbside management has uh, a direct tie-in to some of planning's big initiatives like um, Great Streets Master Plan, which I mentioned last week, um, that aims to um, make our streets healthier and, and, and complete, um, and then other policies that are tangential to, to promoting um, environmental health. Can you walk us through that connection? I, I know you did a little bit, but just sort of make that, make that um, connection for us. Oh, Yeah. This is uh, really the reason why I got into curbside management. This is the kind of work that drives me every day to do this type of work. Um, Parking is one of the most impactful variables on whether someone will own and drive their car flat out. Um, At the top of that list are things like income and then, you know, the, the infrastructure of the city, you know, how much we have bike lanes and bus infrastructure and things. And parking is right up there among them. Um, And you, you can, you can experience that in your head too, if you run through it, right? Like when water fire is happening downtown, you're going to try and carpool, or if you can bike, or maybe take an Uber or Lyft or whatever, because you're not going to want to deal with that parking situation, right? 100%. (laughs) So it's, and that, that happens over and over in people's heads every single day as they make decisions about whether they want to drive or not. And then in the, in the big picture, whether they want to own a car at all. So it's a really, really valuable tool that we have to nudge people toward using alternative modes. Um, and I, I think that's probably the most important thing to me in this field um, is, is making sure that we're enabling people to make that decision um, to use a more climate-friendly mode in particular. Um, so that's sort of the behavioral aspect of it. And that, that has to do not just with on-street parking, but also a lot with off-street parking, which I don't actually have any direct um you know, oversight over that's, right. that's within the planning department, although we do work closely together, but the right. other element of it, which is so interesting is, you know, these, these are policies that exist in law, but they're also, it's also a physical space that we're talking about, right? It's this yeah. lane of space next to the curb, um, which most of the time is parking, right? And it doesn't have to be, and it's a lot of space. I mean, if you actually calculated out how much space, how many miles of parking we have, it's probably pretty significant, So that space that we have that we could dedicate to other things as well, things like protected bike lanes, bus lanes, or on a smaller scale, um, things like curb extensions to enable pedestrians to be more visible in the intersection when they're going to cross. 
um, bus bump out so that um, buses yeah. don't have to pull over into the lane, pull back out, delaying them greatly. So there's ways that we can also use the physical space um, to dedicate more safe and effective infrastructure for those non-car modes that are um, better for our environment as well. Um, and I think that's a, a sort of undervalued aspect of curbside management that is increasingly being part of the conversation. Really well said. Um, what is Providence currently focused on as it relates to curbside management? I know that, um, you know, the topic itself is, is sort of in its infancy, um, but, um, you're taking it on head on. So I was just wondering kind of like, if you could give us a, a rundown of what you're currently working on. Yeah, totally. Um, I'm so excited that we're doing this here. I, I also just want to give a shout out to Providence as a city of 190,000 people or whatever we are. There's no other city of our size that is thinking about curbside management in, in as comprehensive of a way. Like the, Amazing. you know, kudos to um, the city for dedicating resources to this because uh, I think it's really important. But we are starting from the beginning, which is where everyone starts, and that's totally fine. But yeah. we uh, we are starting with data collection because we really don't have an inventory of our curbs at all. We don't know how many parking spaces we have. We don't know where our accessible spaces are. We don't know where we have two hour versus four. You know, we just don't know. And yeah. you can't make decisions on the curb until you know what you actually had there in the first place. Right. That is fair. Yep. Yeah. So that's what we're starting with. Um, and that's what I'll be working on um, this summer, hopefully getting some interns so we can walk around and actually with our phones um, start to actually collect that data and map out our curb. Um, so I'm, I'm really excited also to be able to get out of the office in the summer. I was about to say that's that's <laughs> not the worst thing to be doing during the summer. I, I, think, no. I think that's a good, <laughs> it's a good problem to have, but we're super glad that you're uh, you're doing the work for sure. So something that we've been working on uh, with a cross-departmental working group uh, since this whole initiative sort of started last fall is to actually go through some of the policies and programs that we have related to the CURB all together and think about how we might want to put in some more specific standards, criteria, and processes behind the decisions we make. So we've started to really, you know, formalize some of that stuff, get, um, you know, benchmark criteria that we're looking at, you know, if the parking is this percent full all the time, then, you know, we should really consider X, Y, and Z, those types of things, which I think are really important to make these types of processes more equitable um, and, and fair and ideally effective. And the thing is we can, we can tweak them as we go to make sure they continue to be effective. And it's also just clearer for people. So they yeah. know how to access their city government and get change to happen. Um, I think you, you, you've explained this pretty well, um, thus far, but my last question was, um, you know, why should people care about curbside management? Anything else that you would contribute to that topic other than, um, you know, the fact that, uh, that it's better for the environment, that um, we've got a lot of real estate that is that could be used for, for more um, productive purposes on our city streets. Anything else that you would add? I think I, I touched on everything, but I, yeah. I do want to go back and reiterate um, one piece of it that I think is not super well understood um, to, to no one's fault, but I think it's worth you know harping on this as many times as I can, because yeah. so often some of the... Uh, folks that resist changes to the curb are business owners. Um, and I understand that. And I think parking is something that is very valuable to business owners and something that they're concerned about. And they probably hear about from their customers a lot of the time. Mm. Um, so I think one really important aspect of curbside management that, that is underappreciated is the impacts that it can have on business vitality. 
I mean, there's, there's data and research out there in all sorts of different contexts, like not just New York city, like everywhere that shows that when you do put in those um, time restrictions, when you put in um, pricing for the curb, and when you dedicate space to things like loading zones, pickup, drop-off zones, et cetera, um, those just, they just increase revenue. I mean, they just do at the end of the day. Um, and I think that's a, a really important piece of it to keep in mind. Um, and as do things like bike lanes, bus lanes, bus yeah. infrastructure, pedestrian friendly elements, I think there's a lot that can be done and we have to be, you know, really conscious about, uh, the context around the area when we're doing these and do really good engagement when we make these changes. I would, I, I co-sign that a 100%. Um, yeah. so that's all I've got for you. Um, thanks so much for joining me today, Liza. Um, great time talking to you. Um, where can folks find out more information about your work. Is there anywhere online yet? Yeah. Yeah, totally. That was one of the first things that I jumped in on. Um, (laughs) If you Google city of Providence parking and curbside management, you'll find the website, but it is um, right there uh, on, on that page. So there's information there about the parking that we have here in Providence, uh, what to do during snowstorms, our overnight parking program. And then I uh, went through and talked about metered parking, off street parking and non-parking curb uses so that everyone can get a little bit of an overview of all of those different things um, that they don't always think about with, with regards to the curb. Thank God we have you. (laughs) (laughs) Um, No, thanks again. This is excellent. Um, uh, And thanks to you listener. We plan on updating um, the feed with a new episode every other Thursday. So subscribe to us anywhere you listen to your podcasts um, to get new episodes delivered to your feed when they're posted and follow us on Twitter and Facebook at prob planning and on Instagram at Providence planning until next time. Thanks, Liza. Thank you.